All right, welcome to this special Mount Rushmore edition of Locked On Ole Miss, the podcast. Um, we're going to do our Mount Rushmore's continuum. We're going to talk about egg bowls this time on the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. We're going to do another Mount Rushmore. We're going to be continue to do this throughout the offseason. We're having to start this a little early because of renovations to the palatial Central Florida studio and kind of where that leaves us. We're kind of starting to put that back together, but we're not quite there. We're about two weeks away from that happening. It'll be about 95% done um, come Wednesday, though. So I'm pretty happy about that. And we can start working on the improvement of the palatial Central Florida studio. But what I'm, we're doing this to prevent interruptions to service to you as much as possible. Um, remember, this channel, we're about commentary and perspectives. We're not about reporting the day-to-day. We're not about doing any of that stuff. We're supposed to talk about whatever's important to Ole Miss football. So whatever's in the sphere of Ole Miss sports, um, whether the teams, the players, the coaches, the media, everything, we're going to talk about it. It's going to upset some people from time to time. I don't really care about any about that. We're not relying on access to players, to coaches, or anything like that, and we're not um, asking you for money. So we're completely uninhibited. We can have some fun doing this. All right, so Mount Rushmore's today. Thank you for um, making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. So do us a favor and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications of new videos going up and, of course, upvote the video itself. If we get to 1,000 subscribers, which it really looks like it's going to happen, but if we do, we're going to do a live post-game show following Ole Miss games this year, complete with former players, um, high school coaches, and all this. We're going to do all of this stuff. It's going to be about 30 minutes long. This over here, this is going to be a chat module. If you want to see what it's kind of going to look like, Tune in to um, SEC After Dark on YouTube on the Y'all's Conference Network channel. You might see that pop up from time to time in your feed. I'm also a part of that. I designed that. So the set will probably look a little bit like that. All right, Mount Rushmore. Um, egg Bowls. What are the four Egg Bowl games that stick out? Now, I was born in 1976. My first game that I saw um, of Ole Miss playing was the Egg Bowl in 1982. Steve Sloan's last game was my first game. Um but so from there forward is kind of going to be the ones that stuck in my mind. If if you have another opinion, I saw some people on our Mount Rushmore about quarterbacks talk about Glenn Griffin and Charlie Connerly and all that, and that's absolutely fine. I just have no frame of reference for those guys. So um, absolutely, in the comments below, tell me what your Mount Rushmore egg bowls are and why the games or a game is important to you. So participate down below. I'd appreciate that very much. But anyway, my Mount Rushmore begins now with the 1983 Egg Bowl. The Immaculate Deflection. There's games that stand out because they get a name. You know, that, that's, that's kind of the big thing in these rivalry games. They get a name. And the Immaculate Deflection probably submitted my fandom in Ole Miss football. To see that live, I was at the game. I was on about the 35-yard line on the side of the field where Artie Cosby was attempting that 27- or 28-yard field goal. That game was going to be over. 
the state when the ball went up, the state um, crowd started cheering. As it slowed down, the Ole Miss side started cheering, and it was just a completely surreal thing that I have not seen anything like it until now, um, and I probably will not see anything like it. It was a pure pandemonium type event, and it's amazing. I mean, that what and if you take into account what that uh, immaculate deflection meant. Ole Miss was back in a bowl game for the first time in 12 years, which, you know, as I've gotten older, doesn't seem like a terribly long period of time. Um, we're at the point now where um, Eli Manning um, playing quarterback is almost twice as much as back then at the Maculate Deflection, Archie playing quarterback before. So it wasn't, wasn't that much of a thing. Like if you want to um, do apples to apples, um, the Eli Manning thing and um, would have been like 2015. That would have been the 12-year mark um, going on. So – it's a goofy, interesting thing. But that meant a revival of sorts, even going to Shreveport in the Independence game, which would become our home away from home. Um, but at that point, it was a very big deal. Um, we lost the game against Airport, Air Force, ended up 6-6. Six and six. But, you know, Buford McGee got a bowl game there. Um, Kelly Powell ended up the season like 5-1 and one or something like that. There's a lot of good things that happened to Ole Miss football on the way. Now, in 84, they struggled a little bit. 85, they struggled a bit. 86, they kind of came back a little bit. So, what it meant, and also my age of it just completely standing out, really helped um, with Ole Miss's ability to be back in that 1983 Immaculate Deflection game. Just one field goal. It was like a butterfly effect thing. One field goal. So much change going forward. And that was um, in Jackson. You know, I was growing up in Florence, Mississippi. I was right down the road. So the games in Jackson were the ones I was able to go see. Um, I didn't make it up to Oxford until, I think, 89 was my first game up there. And actually, it was the Georgia game um, with John Darnell to Reed Hines action. Um, but that was um, probably the game that stands out most in my mind. The number two game, the second game that I want to talk about on this Mount Rushmore is the stand. Um, 1992, the Red Death defense, Mississippi State having something like 12 plays inside the 10-yard line and unable to score any points. I mean, it was the most bizarre thing. They'd get down to about the two-yard line. Ole Miss would push them back. Um, Ole Miss turns the ball over. They get the ball right back. They try again. They get a first down because of a pass interference, and it just doesn't work. The, The famous clip of um, Chad Brown busting through the line and tacking the running back was from that game. Now, what I remember also about that game is how cold it was that day. It was bitterly cold for Mississippi. Mississippi doesn't get the coldest in the world. They get bitterly cold that day. It was probably 22, 23 degrees. It was like ice storm weather, like permafrost weather. It was, it was very unusual for the state of Mississippi. But that's a game like Corey Philpot really stands out to me, um, mainly because of that game. It was somebody that, you know, you thought about Randy Baldwin. It's like, okay, Randy Baldwin in 89 um, was special. Randy Baldwin in 90 was special. How are we going to replace that? Here comes Corey Philpott, a little quick quick guy that um, kind of was Jerry and Ely before Jerry and Ely. And the offense that they ran back there was not really conducive for, to his style of um, running the ball, the way he was built. He would be a much better spread offense guy. But if you look at it, that, that game right there really set back. And I think 92 Ole Miss went and played Air Force in the Liberty Bowl. 
and shut them out as well. And that defense was really, really good. Um, I think it was, it might have been Tim Bowens and Norman Hand and all of those guys. Um, that that was the year, either 92 or 93 was the year Cassius Ware nearly killed Eric Zire, dropping back on a sack. And um, Abdul Jackson scooped and scored from like 60 yards out against Georgia. Another Georgia game. I, why does that stick up in my memory from time to time? That's, that's absolutely bizarre. But... Those are the first two. We're going to come back with the next two games. We're going to go a little bit more modern. There's three before the turn of the century, one after the turn of the century, and a couple of honorable mentions that I'll want to talk about. And then our contributors will give you the games that stand out to them. Imagine dipping your finger into that plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and then opening your eyes and realizing that was only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. That is what it's like to eat a birthday cake puff from Built. I just received my birthday cake cake puffs, and I have never had anything like this before. They're available right now, and we can't promise that they'll be available tomorrow, so get them today at Built.com. And if you haven't tried the puffs, I'll let you in a little secret, because that's what friends do. A chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar? Yeah, you heard me. Delicious flavored marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. Make every day your birthday with a Built birthday cake puff, Build has taken the delicious experience of biting into a fresh slice of birthday cake um, and robed it in 100% white chocolate and added sprinkles. So go to built.com and get birthday cups, not co- pu- birthday cake puffs now. I don't know why I'm trouble saying that. Anyway, here's your offer. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's all one word. Use LOCK15 as the promo code for 15% off at Built. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Make sure to go check out Locked On NBA Big Board. Host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletters. Joined by Richard Strayman, Sean Ferris, and Leif Thulin to give fans fans an in-depth look into NBA draft, mock draft, player rankings, and, of course, big boards. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So, I give you my first two. My first one was the Immaculate Deflection. My second one was um, um, the Stand. You know, games that have a nickname. Big games in history. These are ones that happened in my lifetime. One happened when I was seven years old, and the other one happened when I was... Like 15, you know, something like that. 15 or 16. I don't know how old it was at the second. So, big games, big moments. And that was also in a period where Ole Miss was essentially the dominant program in that rivalry. I think Ole Miss won eight times in 10 games over the decade. Now, starting in the 90s with the hiring of Jackie Sherrill, which the first game against Jackie Sherrill would have been 91, so the stand would have been his second egg ball. 
um, it started to even out. And since then, the series has been fairly even. And I've explained exactly how that happened and why that happened. And I'm not going to get into that now. But it made this game more heated, more hated. Jackie Sherrill brought a little bit of gasoline into it. A little bit of Dan Mullen level of gasoline. And whenever Billy Brewer moved on, um, and by moved on, I mean got fired for NCAA violations, um, we hired Tommy Tuberville. And the first year, it was in 95, um, Tuberville was able to win the game behind Dew Innocent running for 242 yards. Um, the second year, 96, State was able to get him back. So it was kind of a reverse thing to where Ole Miss would win in Starkville and lose in Oxford. It was kind of a weird, weird element that was happening. Well, 97 hit. Both teams were extensively playing for a bowl game. If um, State won, they were going to go to a bowl game. If Ole Miss won, they were going to go to a bowl game, but probably not both of them. I think State was 6-5 and five, uh, or at that point 5-5 five and five or something like that, and Ole Miss was 6-4 and four or something like that. Now, don't hold me to that. It was a game where Ole Miss scored early in the game to take a 7-0 lead, and then State just took over the game. But they couldn't score touchdowns, so... They scored um, one touchdown and another one. It was 14-7 right at the end of the game, and Ole Miss got the ball back. Well, Stuart Patridge, who should have gotten mentioned in my quarterback as an honorable mention, did not. I apologize for that. Um, basically, for this drive, he should have been mentioned. He was able to take the team down the field, complete a touchdown pass to Andre Roan. It was about a 20-yard touchdown pass on a, on a post pattern. He scored, and it was 14-13. Now, if you go back to 2019 and the piss and the miss, they didn't go for two. They, were, they weren't going to. They missed the extra point, yada, yada, yada. That's all distant news. So I'm just saying if you look at that, you'll know how exceptional it was that Tommy Tuberville did go for two. And they went for two, and they ran a really, I would say a quick slant, but it was a really quick slant. It was a play that um, the receiver you would think of from where he is, his depth should have been about four yards deep in the end zone, but he just got over the line. Stuart Patridge threw it low. Corey Peterson caught it. Ole Miss won the game. And it, it was a big moment. 15 to 14, the two-point conversion. Everybody remembers that. That was a big moment for Ole Miss football. That was a big moment for Stuart Patridge. It was a big moment for the class that was coming up because the class that was coming up that people were – were getting ready to be introduced to was Deuce McAllister, Rufus French, um, Terrence Metcalf, um, those guys coming up. And, you know, Grant Hurd, who um, I worked with at Ole Miss, really good dude. So that was a big game because it basically allowed Ole Miss to, I don't know, plant a flag that they're back. This is here. This is real. And it was basically a bunch of walk-ons and all that because Ole Miss was like 15-player 15, 15 recruiting classes in 1995 and 1996. I mean, they really got hammered. And 97 was the first one that was real, and they recruited to it, and they got all kinds of good players. But they also got players to walk on, and – talk them into doing it. I don't know how they did it, but players like Matt Luke at Gulfport High School signed with Ole Miss. He was a walk-on. Um, he was 250-pound center, played undersized, but he had a heart. He ended up being just a legend on the field. There's going to be people that have a take about his head coaching or his coaching experience, 
Um, and because of that, they're going to dog all of him. His role of being a center was invaluable to that team. He was in the game, hurt, on that two-point conversion play, snapping the ball to Stuart Patridge. He's the guy that got Booger McFarland at LSU, 10th-ranked LSU, when Ole Miss took him down that same year. This was the year that Ole Miss kind of announced themselves as being back. Um, now, I'm super glad it happened, but it is. Now, our last place on the Mount Marshmore is 2014. It's a game where, at different points in the season, both Ole Miss and State were in the playoff rankings. It was the first year of the playoff. Mississippi State had fallen to number four in the playoff rankings by the time the Egg Bowl happened. But at one point, they were number one in the country. And Ole Miss was three or four, something like that, in the first playoff rankings. But Ole Miss, was able, they dropped a game at LSU. The um, Auburn-Laquan Treadwell leg break happened, and then Arkansas happened, and that kind of threw them into a tizzy. Well, Bo Wallace was hurt. Um, they had different issues in that whole game. But Jalen Walton really stood up. Evan Ingram had a big game. Bo Wallace hobbled his way to winning that game. Some big wins by Bo Wallace. I don't think people take him seriously. They they heard too much of that good Bo, bad Bo, Bo stuff, and they take it as gospel of what he is. An av- he was an average quarterback. He was not an average quarterback. Ole Miss is not where they are right now if Bo Wallace doesn't transfer to Ole Miss from Northeast Mississippi, period. Absolutely, period. Now, you talk about the recruiting class that came after that. That class doesn't happen without Bo Wallace. Ole Miss got to six wins that first year. And it was basically because of Bo Wallace. You were able to recruit those guys that eventually got you to a Sugar Bowl, and that was because of Bo Wallace. And so I will respect that always, and <clears throat> and of course him beating Alabama. But it that game was unbelievable. It, it was one of those that just the atmosphere. It's like Mississippi State couldn't handle the level of that game had gotten up to. It had gotten so big. They couldn't speed up anymore. And like I told you and have told you many times in team sports, team sports is about trying to speed up your team past what they're comfortable playing. If they are comfortable going 50 miles an hour, you want them at 55. Because you're comfortable at 55. And that's the reason people, whenever they talk about that, they play down to personnel teams and stuff like that. That's what they're talking about. They're playing slower. They want them to play faster. They want to get the other team out of the comfort zone. They want them to make mistakes. And in that game, Ole Miss came out ready to play. Ole Miss came out with a little, um, let's see, blood in their piss. They were ready to go. They had been beaten up earlier in the season. But they weren't going to lose this game. And they actually just came out and took it to Mississippi State to where it was obviously fairly early in the game to where Mississippi State was not going to come back and win this. Ole Miss was going to win this game. There was a trick play in there. Jordan Wilkins threw a touchdown pass. Um, Jalen Walton had the 91-yard touchdown run. I mean, it was fantastic. Anyway, coming up after the break, we will have our contributors talking about their favorite Egg Bowl games. And... um, we will get out of here, honestly. We'll give you a little bit of back, back of your day. So thank you very much for tuning into this. You'll hear from our contributors and me after the break. Um, and then the future, um, like next week, by I mean the future, we're, we're planning on a modern wins 
um, Mount Rushmore and a um, Ole Miss head football coach, Mount Rushmore. That, that'll be our next position in there. We haven't um, done those quite yet, but that's kind of what we're going to do. So this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you will need. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait by the, while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So you can save time and auto when using rockauto.com. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer, so you can go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on, two words, in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review us there on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. You can say whatever you want to say. Just give us a five-star review. It will help others find this podcast in the future whenever they search it on iTunes. So, that's the iTunes. Rate and review. Five-star review. Say whatever you want to say. Now, all right, you've heard from me. You've heard my Mount Rushmore. Number one, 83. Um... Number two, 92. Number three, 97. Number four, 2014. Now let's hear what our contributors have to say. So, um, the big four for me, anyway, for Egg Bowl wins. Uh, number one is the 1983 Egg Bowl, the Immaculate Deflection. Uh, that was uh, that was something wonderful to see. Uh Thought for sure we were going to lose. Uh, and then that happened there in the last few seconds. Uh, number two for me was the 97 Egg Bowl, which was uh, very, very hard to watch. <laughs> we were losing most of the game, and then we came back. And, of course, uh, Corey Peterson caught that two-point conversion, and we won that game. Number three, uh, after State had beat us many years in a row, uh, the 2012 Egg Bowl, where uh, we fed Moncrief. That was number three. And uh, number four, I've got a 4A and a 4B. Uh, That's probably not exactly right, but I couldn't help it. My 4A and 4B are 2014 and 2015. Um, Not very many people gave us a chance in 2014 with a hobbled Bo Wallace and not uh, a lot of receiving help, especially after uh, Vincent Sanders got hurt in the beginning uh, part of the ball game. And uh, basically with a tight end and a very small running back named Jalen Walton and a hobbled Bo Wallace, we, uh, we beat State. And then the next year, of course, uh, we dominated them and uh, in, in Starkville. And uh, those are my top four Egg Bowls. Okay, so top four Egg Bowls. Number one has to be 1997. 
man, this game, 50-yard live brawl to start at the game, you know, Egg Bowl tradition. Uh, completely dominated by State in this game until the last two minutes. Partridge hits Ron, Ron sorry, for touchdown, like, takes a 64-yard drive, hits Ron for that touchdown. Um with two minutes left in the game, 25 seconds left, they get the inter or I'm sorry, not interception, uh, two point conversion. Then Strickland with the interception to win the game. Um, got bowl berth, kept state from going to a bowl. Uh, 1997 is a great egg bowl memory. Uh, next in that, 2003, Eli shut out sent Cheryl uh, with his second loss and worst loss in his tenure as he retired um, from state. That game had a lot. Going, uh, Eli really had a great game, uh, 206 yards, three touchdowns. Um, also, if you remember in that game, it's kind of foreshadowing of the first uh, David Tyree catch. If you remember tight end Lily uh, catching that weird catch that popped off a defender and he catches it and brings it in uh, in the ground for a touchdown. So kind of a little foreshadow into the Manning big game um, uh, touchdowns. Uh, 2014 would be my next one. Hugh Freeze, Bo Wallace. Bo Wallace had the sprained ankle. Treadwell was out. Um, we see emerge, like uh, Walton and Wilkins really just stole the show. Uh, Wilkins had a 30-yard bomb to Cody Core for a touchdown. Walton with 91 yards on a run that was designed to the right, and he cut left and just saw green. Um, so one of my favorites, upset. The number four Mississippi State kept them from going to the SEC championship, kept them from winning the West. Um, so can't say they like not better than doing that. Uh, finally, obviously, 2017. If you really look at it, what happened in 2017, it's insane to believe absolutely everything that went on during this game. I mean, it starts out with the Leo Lewis blowing the kiss. And then you have Fitzgerald flipping the bird on the cart on the way out. You have AJ claiming Starville is his city with a, and his touchdown. You got DK with the infamous dog pit. You got Speaks with the wave after the fumble recovery. And then he gets ejected moments later. Um, they planted the flag. I mean, that began the Matt Luke era. But, man, what a game that was in 2017. All right. Now we're talking about great egg bowls, right? Uh, you know, Obviously, the ones you win, most of them kind of have a special place in your heart because you just love beating Mississippi State. Uh, but one of the very first ones I remember was the Corey Peterson two-point conversion. Uh, we, we were sitting in the living room. Uh, it was down in Starkville, obviously. And uh, my dad was sitting up in his recliner, and we had just scored the touchdown, you know, and you look around, and, you know, everybody sending the – or Cheryl sending the field goal block team out there, and, he looks over and Tommy Tuberville's just holding up those two fingers. And, you know, as soon as you see the, sees those two fingers, you can see Cheryl put his hands on his head, just running around, throwing up two. They're going for two. They're going for two. And uh, about that time, my dad popped out of his recliner and he was standing up watching it. And, you know, we end up hitting Peterson and come across the uh, back of the end zone there for the two-point conversion. And, you know, we all just start going crazy. My dad gets down on his knees, scooting across that carpet, and he's just got carpet burns from his shins all the way up to his knees, you know. Uh, that that was probably probably my favorite Egg Bowl memory. Uh, but then the one in Oxford, it was, uh, what was it, like 08 or 09, something like that. But it was the negative 63-yard rushing game that State had where, where that poor quarterback, Tyson Lee, I think, so he was playing quarterback for State that year. 
And man, that kid just got beat all game long. Parade Jerry and Jarrell Poe, Marcus Tillman, I think, was defensive end uh, back on that team. You know, that's that was that was really really fun to watch. You know, even though it was a forty something to nothing game, you know, and they couldn't even get past midfield. What nobody leaving Vault Hemingway Stadium that that day just to see if we actually could continue to keep them on the other side of the fifty and keep them in the negative rushing yards. Uh, so that that one was a lot of fun too. There you have it. Thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Tomorrow we'll be back to normal. Kara McCutcheon will be on talking about social aspects. We've got Tom Vanderford coming up Friday. Um, now make your second listen, Locked On SEC. Get all of your SEC news in less than 30 minutes with SEC expert Chris Gordy. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. All right, peace.